Thank you for listening to the Akuo Church Podcast. We exist so that people will be in community with Jesus and one another. We'll do that by listening to God, loving people, learning our purpose, and linking to our community. From wherever you are listening, welcome to the community. We hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, Akuo Church. Let me start off today by asking a question. When you come across something that seems too big to handle, like when you feel like too much is happening and all your efforts would just be a drop in the bucket, what do you do? Maybe you're extremely type A, you've never found a task too big, and all you need is a day planner, an Excel sheet, and some elbow grease, and you'll get to work. You're good to go. Or maybe you're the kind of person who gets a little overwhelmed when you have too many things to do. And so you decide that the best course of action is just to take a nap. Well, what if I pulled a classic on you and asked, what would Jesus do? Well, today we're going to be looking at a story in scripture when Jesus saw a great need in front of him. And what he did was make a plan. Two weeks ago, we started our new series titled Sent Out. This is our series continuing our journey through the gospel, the life, the saving death, and the resurrection of Jesus, written down for us by his friend and disciple, Matthew. Matthew records that after Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount, the longest recorded teaching from Jesus in scripture, where he taught his disciples and us a new way to live, that he then proceeded down the mountain and began to perform a series of healings and mighty works to prove the authority that he had over all humanity and creation. And now, where we are, Matthew tells us that Jesus actually extended his authority to his followers, to a group of 12 that he designated as his apostles. And this word and this concept, apostle, we can kind of understand it in our day, but it means an official representative who carries the full authority of the person who sends them. And why did he send them? Look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38. It says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. The first thing I want us to notice here is that Jesus tells them that it's a harvest and and not a time to sow seeds. Almost certainly, this audience would have never heard Jesus preach about his kingdom. Maybe they heard John the Baptist's call towards repentance, but maybe not. I think it's so wonderful and freeing to hear Jesus say these words. Too often, We tend to think that everything we do relies on us, our efforts, our skills, our knowledge. But Jesus sees something it takes practice to see. God has been working. They didn't have to do anything. They didn't have anything to do with it. They just needed to show up and reap a harvest that God himself planted. The second thing to notice is that scripture tells us that Jesus looked over the nation of Israel and that he had compassion over them. That word compassion in the original Greek, it means you feel it from the depths of your bowels. Maybe you've experienced this when you felt deep, deep feelings. You you feel it in your gut. Or when you yearn for something, your your stomach is doing loop-de-loops. 
you feel that ache, that's the way Jesus feels for the lost. Maybe you're the kind of person who sees an overwhelming task and you just feel overwhelmed and shut down, but not Jesus. Jesus has a solution, his disciples. And his solution for this was to send out them as apostles in order for them to proclaim and go and share that the kingdom of God has come near. He tells them in Matthew 10, verses 6 and 7, Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. You see, Jesus saw the world differently than the people of his time. He didn't view people primarily in the categories of sinners and righteous. Instead, he viewed the people who are far from God, not as evil, but as lost. This is who Jesus is. He loves. He has compassion. Jesus is the exact imprint of the Father, and we know that God is love. Scripture teaches us this again and again. That's who Jesus is. He cares deeply for his lost sheep. Jesus tells us that he's the good shepherd, the one who lays down his life for his sheep who leaves the 99 to go after the one. Later in Jesus's ministry, he describes his feelings. In Matthew 23, verse 37, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who who are sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Jesus doesn't hold our worst days against us, but instead, on his worst day, when he was on the cross, he looked at the people who were literally murdering him and asked the Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so Jesus is sending out his apostles, and this is an important moment. It acts sort of as a preview of Jesus's commissioning all believers into the world. You need to understand that part of the identity of the follower of Christ is one who is sent. This lays at the very heart of the purpose of the church. The heart of the Christian life is the gathering. Each week we gather together, we pray to God, open his word, listen for his call, and are sent back out into the world. If you've been on one of our A-teams, you know that I love this metaphor of the heart to describe the church. In the same way in our physical bodies, blood is pumped into the heart. It gets reoxygenated and then pumped back out to do the work that it was meant to do. Does this continuously in a cycle. In the same way, our rhythm of worship of Jesus is that we gather and are refreshed by the Spirit of God through the gathering and then sent out ready to do the work that we were meant to do. And here, Jesus instructs his apostles on where to go when they're sent. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. So these are Jesus's instructions. He tells his disciples to go into their homes. They were instructed to bring nothing with them, which means that they will rely on eating whatever they're given. 
And here's where this gets tricky. According to Jewish law, you had to be very careful about what you ate and who you ate it with, or else you might end up unclean. We spent a lot of time this year talking about how they viewed being ceremonially clean or ceremonially unclean, right? Jesus constantly went against the societal norms to show compassion for the people that society had deemed unworthy. So let's back up for a minute. Cleanness and uncleanness in the Old Testament were all about being able to be in God's presence. It was, like all the law, meant to point towards and show us how holy and how separate God is. What the first century Jewish people had done, especially the Pharisees, was make being unclean synonymous with being in sin or a sinner. But these are Jewish villages and homes, right? So we're, we're good. Well, here's what we know about Israel at the time. They were in the middle of a heated and divisive culture war. They had been conquered and deported so many times that many were leaving Jewish laws behind and began adopting the culture of the Greco-Roman world. You see, first century Jews were having an identity crisis. They were a divided nation. And the whole conflict was about asking the questions about whether you were religious enough, were you holy enough, were you a righteous person or not. But look at what Jesus says in verse 12. He says, as you enter the house, give it your greeting. If the house is worthy, see that your blessing of peace comes upon it. But if it is not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. Notice what he doesn't say. Jesus does not say they are worthy if they are clean. Eat only what's clean. You are worthy if you follow all the laws. He doesn't say, find the person who believes in the right things or the person who's behaving in all the right ways. Jesus cuts through all their culture wars. He doesn't side with anyone and instead just tells his disciples, again in verse 14, and whoever does not receive you nor listen to your words, as you leave that house or city, shake the dust off your feet. You want to know who's worthy? We see here, by contrast, that it is whoever welcomes you and listens to you. He says, whoever receives you, that's where you stay until you leave. This worthiness Jesus is describing is not something that we can prejudge. It's the actions that prove their worth, the response. What proves the worthiness, as in shows your worth, is these two things, the receiving and the listening. Jesus is kind enough to give us this example to follow. Missionaries have followed this practice for centuries. They call it finding a person of peace. You find your way into a community and then utilize whoever welcomes you in as a means of spreading the gospel. Why? As my old pastor used to say, when God wants to save a people, he always saves a person. Let me say that again. When God wants to save a people, he always saves a person. So this is the principle we're called to follow. But how do we find out if someone is a person of peace? Do they listen to you? Does listening in this case mean that they 100% agree with you or obey what you have, have to say? Well, Jesus could have said this with stronger language. Jesus uses the general word here for listening. You might have heard it before, akuo. 
and not the specific word for to hear and to obey, which is hupakuo, which is a cool concept, but a bad church name. There are plenty of people who will ask you for some of your time, but what you need to discern is, are they going to listen to you? And again, I don't want to make this sound like I'm saying that a person of peace has to immediately follow every word you say, but are they receptive? Are they willing to hear you out? We all at times are unsure about where we should go and about who we should spend our time on, but these are the things that we should look for. It might be someone you would never suspect. It might be someone who on appearance is very far from following Jesus. It may be that for whatever reason, they would never come to church and hear what I have to say, but they will welcome you and listen to you. Sometimes we willingly engage in this defeatist mentality as though no one would ever listen to us. So why even bother to speak? But Jesus says that the harvest is plentiful. There just needs to be more workers. So the question for us is, are we willing to be sent out? And, and listen to me here. If your call is to minister to someone who rejects you, right? Like if that's what God is actually asking you to do specifically, if you feel that God wants you to speak to someone, to pray for someone that, that isn't following him and won't listen to you, then do it. All means. We will walk alongside you. We will encourage you. But if you haven't heard that from God, if he hasn't specifically asked you to do that, then your call from him probably looks a lot more like this. It's so practical. So here's the blueprint we can follow based on Jesus. We pray, we are called, and we go and find a person of peace. It's that simple. Who will let you in and listen to what you have to say? I think too often we make it so much harder than it is. We think we're going to have to debate and argue our way in for someone to agree with us. Or, or we think that someone will need to see some wise words from us. Or, But Jesus wants us to seek out a person of peace because God wants us to find the work that he's already done. Remember, it's a harvest. In the parable of the talents, God reveals that he wants us to invest wisely with what we've been given. Our time, our talent, and treasure need to be spent intentionally. So where is God calling you to invest? What's a good investment? When God calls his prophets to a stubborn people who will not listen, that's told to us because it's more meant to be the exception rather than the rule. Listen, at, at times God might call us to speak and pray for someone that is not interested in what we have to say. But more practically, God wants us to go where there is a harvest. There's a parable of Jesus that trips up a lot of people nowadays. You know, we refer to it as the parable of the shrewd manager. In the parable, the manager of his master's house is about to be fired and he's old and he fears that he can't do any other kind of work. And so what he does to save himself is he calls everyone who owes his master money and asks them what it is they owe and then actually lowers all their debts. That way, each one of them will be grateful to him and maybe they'll help take care of him when he loses his job. And I want you to look at the master's surprising response in Luke 16, verse 8. It says, The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind 
than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Jesus's point is if it was your life on the line or your needs being met, you'd get creative really quick in finding a way to save yourself. Like you wouldn't hesitate to do whatever it takes to take care of yourself or your family. But when it comes to the kingdom or other people on the line, we get completely frozen. And we don't work with the urgency we should. We act like the doors to our neighbor's homes are impenetrable stone walls. But have we tried knocking? And again, this isn't complicated. For the apostles, they literally would walk into town and ask if there was anyone who would host them. If you've been around, you know this is Akuo's story. Humby was listening to God and was ready to go and literally knock on doors and God used a person of peace to provide this space for us. The work we're starting at Sorrento came about the same way. Like maybe it would just take you seeing if any single person at your work wants to start praying during lunch. Or another parent at your kid's school wants to get together and take the kids to the park. And when they're playing, you can talk about your life and then maybe you can speak the gospel into their story. Eugene Peterson said that a pastor's job isn't trying to manufacture the movement of God, but instead to help people see the ways he is already at work in their lives. And that is so true for all of us. We just need to be willing to pay attention and see what he's already doing in the lives of our neighbors and coworkers. Listen, God is working all around us at all times. If we're lucky, we only ever catch a small glimpse of what he's doing. Maybe you've heard this phrase before. When you look to God's hands for everything, you start to see his hands in everything. And so let me ask you, where is the harvest ready for you? Where is God placing people of peace in front of you? The harvest is ready. We just need to be ready to participate and be used by him. He wants us to be ready in season and out of season. It's not about waiting until all the conditions perfect or when we feel ready. I know the question lingering for a lot of us is this, but what if they reject us? Look back at verse 14. It says, And whoever does not receive you nor listen to your words, as you leave that house or city, shake the dust off your feet. Jesus says, if no one will host you, if they don't receive you or listen to you, just kick the dirt off your feet and move on. Go to the next one. He doesn't say loudly condemn them as unrepentant sinners. He says they condemn themselves by not receiving you. He says to keep moving because a person of peace is out there for you if you continue. Look now to verse 15. It says, truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment for that city. You might feel at first like this is a bit of whiplash from our earlier compassion talk, but listen, if you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, the first thing you might think of is indeed fire and brimstone. You know that it's a story of God's judgment against the wicked, brutal, and evil, but it's also a story of God rescuing people. The book of Genesis shows us that God would have spared the city if there were even just 10 righteous people within it. 
But, but even when there weren't, not even 10 people, God still sent his angels to rescue Lot's family. God found a way to save them. And he will always find a way to save others. That's what Jesus' life and ministry was all about. And we get to be that messenger of mercy if we're willing to call or to answer God's call. Jesus is teaching us that he will take responsibility for the outcome. He is telling you he will handle the results the same way that he has handled the work of sowing the seeds. You know, last week I was sharing with someone that the prayer life that we're called to follows the shape of the life we are called to live. Listen, you will find yourself praying every day when you come face to face with how limited you are and how many faces of people who are lost are in front of you. But Jesus has a plan. It's a whole community of lives transformed by the gospel, a whole community of people of peace. And it can start with just one person ready to receive and listen. When God asks you to rely on him, when he pushes you to go, you don't need to stress out. You will be ready. I think sometimes we just don't feel adequate. We feel like we don't have the right words to say or we don't know enough. But Jesus gives us a solution. Jesus showed us who, but he also shows us how. As we try to plan to be ready, remember that, that the same way that Jesus gave them authority, now God has also given us his spirit. John 16 verses 12 and 13 say, I have much more to say to you, but more than you can now bear. But when he comes, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak to you on his own. He will speak only what he hears and will, he will tell you what is yet to come. And look also at Acts 1 verse 8, which says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We might not be apostles, right? But we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit of God that gives us power. That word in the original Greek, it's a lot of pastors' favorite word, is dunamis. Its root is the same one from where we get the word dynamite, as in explosive, overwhelming power. Because we have that power, because we have the Spirit of God, we are able to be His witnesses wherever we go. We've talked about this all year. God's word for us is that we are ready. And that does not mean being expertly prepared or planned for every contingency. It just means being ready to move when you're called. He promises he will give us the words to speak. He promises he will guide us to all truth. And if you fear to go and speak the good news because of your past and present sins or some of your failures, God's spirit empowers us to live holy and pleasing lives. Look at Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If we walk with the Spirit, we will experience the fruit of the Spirit in us. Our lives will be transformed day by day to show more of His presence in our lives. If you don't think you know enough or have lived a good enough life, just remember 
the apostles had probably been following Jesus for a few months before they were sent out. They were baby Christ followers. They weren't going to be perfect. They were still very much a work in progress, and yet Jesus chose to give them authority and sent them out. They prayed to the Lord of the harvest. They were called to be workers, and they were sent out and obeyed. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. If someone you loved was lost, you would do anything to seek them out and save them. You and I were once lost, and Jesus went to great lengths to save us. He gave everything. He died for us, defeated sin in the grave, and now if we put our trust in him, we will live with him forever. That's the gospel we share. And the good news is Jesus has already planted the harvest. He's already prepared a person of peace. He's given us his spirit and therefore everything we need. We just get to follow his lead. Maybe you've never known Jesus. Maybe you've never experienced the Holy Spirit's presence on your life. If you've never known Jesus's peace, then maybe we can be a community of peace for you. I encourage you to go where you're finding people of peace. Maybe you've never taken even the first step of following him. Just know that the invitation is open to you. If you are willing to be sent out, I promise you, you won't regret it. And there's no paper you have to sign or magic words you need to say, but maybe it could start for you with just a simple prayer. Maybe one just like this, a prayer asking God to lead you. And to help you out during this time, I'm going to ask all the Akuo community to pray along with you. Because here at Akuo, no one ever has to pray alone. You always have a community praying along with you. Father God, I, th I thank you for this day. Lord, I want to know you. I want to follow you. I want to give you my life. Jesus, I believe in your power and I believe in your goodness. Help me to take a step of faith after you. In Jesus' name, amen. And now the last thing that I want to do is to lead you into a moment of listening to God. Here at Akuo Church, we, we have these moments to listen. This is just an opportunity to spend a moment where you can just sit with this and ask God what he wants to say to you. And, and to help you focus, if you need it in this time, maybe during these next two minutes, you can ask this question. Who is the person of peace I am called to invest in? Let's listen.
Father God, we thank you that you have done all the work. God, that you have prepared a harvest in front of us, Lord. You've done the work of transforming our lives to follow lives that can, that can be worthy of following you, Lord. God, thank you that you prepare people ahead of us to do the work that you ask of us. God, thank you for your spirit and its power over our lives. Lord, help us to follow you. Help us to go where you send us, where you send us Lord. God, I ask that you move mightily, that we would receive this word and produce a great harvest in us so that you can produce a great harvest through us. We ask for all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, I've got just a couple quick announcements for you, and then I will be done for today. The first is if you're willing to join one of our A-teams. These are our teams where we serve both the church and the community. There's a couple ways for you to do that. The first is to find one of us on Sunday and tell us that you're interested in joining a team, or you can follow this QR code and there will be a link for you to register. We are actually about to set up a baby room for infants and toddlers here at Akuo Church. But in order for us to do this, we need help. And so what Alyssa, our family ministry director, has told us is that if we can get four more people to sign up, that we can start a baby room. This is a way for us to actually open the doors for more people to be able to join into our community. And so this is a specific need that I really wanna highlight is this, if we can get four more people, uh, then we would actually be able to, to start this. And not only start this, but you would only need to serve once a month. So if we get to that number, we will, we will open these doors. So if you're interested, please find us after the service or register at the link on the QR code on the screen. And this October 28th is our trunk or treat from 3 to 6 p.m. And what we're asking people to do is we need cars in order to have a trunk or treat. And so if you're interested in bringing your car here at Akuo, where we're gonna be hosting the event, we're gonna be needing you to decorate your car and we're gonna want people to be giving out candy. So if you're interested, there's a QR code here for you to register and let us know. And if you don't wanna decorate a car, Another way you can serve at our trunk or treat is what we're doing to get prepared is we need candy donations. And so starting this Sunday, if you're watching this as early as you see it, we're gonna be receiving candy donations in order to be able to hand out candy during the trunk or treat. And so if you have anything, if you're interested, just bring it so that we can receive that and then we'll make up whatever's left. The last thing I want to say here to Akuo is we always want to be generous. We want to model generosity and we want to see generosity from our people. So one of the ways that we're called to be generous is through giving to the local church body. And so you should know that when you give to Akuo Church, you're actually giving through Akuo Church to the community. We use some of this money to help provide rent or utility assistance. We're also using some of these funds in order to help serve our neighbors at the Sorrento apartment complex next door. So again, if you're giving to Akuo, just know that you're really giving through Akuo to your community. So if you call Akuo Church your home or you feel called to give, there's a couple different ways for you to do that. The first is you can go online to akuo.church and click on the giving link. You can also drop it off over by the entrance or text 
Akuo to any dollar amount to 77977 and get that set up real quick. That's all that I have for you. Let me send you off with a quick prayer and then I'll have you on your way. Father God, I thank you that you are so great and your, your power is so perfect, Lord. I thank you that you love us, that you have brought us to this point, that we get to be a part of your community, God, that we get to be a part of a community of people committed to your, your power and your ministry, Lord. So God, help us to serve one another, help us to go about our week feeling the power that you've, you've given us, Lord, and help us to do all these things in your name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for spending time with us today. You can find this message and any recent sermon available on demand at our website, akuo.church. That's A-K-O-U-O church. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Akuo Church. Welcome to the community. We hope to hear from you soon.